Blog Talk Radio. time with Pastor Steph. Where he says he's going to be. He doesn't do the things that he says he's 
that is big. And whatever he's got planned today, that's fine. But see, we need to pray, excuse me, pray for that future peace because that sets the tone forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's fine if he's, you know, if he's good today. But what's going to happen in a week or two when something challenging comes up? So, yeah, you have to really pray to ask God to ensure that he continues to move forward in a level of integrity. Okay? So, like I said, I mean, a fantastic job she did. You definitely want to go back and listen. I don't care what you're praying for your husband about. Courtney touched on that. Trust me. Well, we would not have finished a Monday morning properly if we did not have the switch tip with Shantice. And don't be a stumbling block was the topic. Now, did I not just get finished saying that? You know, we talk about, you know, our husband having, you know, his peace. And we don't want you to be the one who's a stumbling block, like I said, who's going to wake up early and start to pick with him when you call him at the job. You know, for you ladies who get so angry that you can't stop calling him during the day, he didn't answer you because you can't stop texting him during the day because he did not respond to you properly. You're being a stumbling block. Yes. No matter how right you are, no matter how right you may be, we don't have to move forward with everything that is right. So you can't, you know, really want him to have a level of peace, yeah, you won't stop ringing the phone, you won't stop going through his things, you won't let him sleep at night, you've got to let up, because that can be a major stumbling block, especially if you're of the Lord and he's not, because the first thing he's going to think is, well, what kind of godliness is this? Yeah, they do, because they comment on it quite a bit, yeah. I know, I know, I know he makes you act the way you do. Trust me, I know. However, again, you want to make sure that you're not a stumbling block. You know, if he's not doing what he's supposed to do and you've tried to talk already, you know, just put it before the Lord. Give it to God. But whatever you do, do not become a stumbling block. Not to him or anyone else. Okay, alrighty. Well, then we spoke on, let's talk about it Tuesday, Church Folk Day. We spoke on Tuesday and we talked about the uh, high school decision that the children would not attend uh, the prom because they had, you know, less than perfect attendance. That you know require they gave them the requirement that they could go forward in the prom plan, and you know it wasn't until after the school, the parents, 
the uh, children got a whiff of it and took it to the media, yeah, that they were finally able to get that um, tendons to the prom going. You know, can you imagine someone so sensitive? Wow, 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 wow. Well, we also learned on Tuesday, and we talked about the fact that New York is in a state of emergency, I mean, along with probably half the country at this point. But we're in a state of emergency because the migrant population and the lack of shelter seems to be a major problem. Now, yeah, that's a major problem when you didn't plan for this. You did not plan for this. I mean, come on, come on, come on. So, yeah, you need to go back and you need to read that. Okay? All right. Well, wow, Wednesday rolled around. And our girlfriend Vivian talked about how the schools out in Michigan are banning backpacks. Yes, banning them. Altogether, they want to do away with them, and it's because the children have been throwing the guns up in the backpack and walking through the school system, walking through the doors, walking through the doors of the school. And we really don't have that much here in New York because we are already using magnometers. Yeah, that faithful old scanner. That will detect whether you have a gun in your bag or not. So maybe that might be one of the things they want to try instead of doing away with the backpacks. Already thousands and thousands of children use those backpacks. So how fair would it be to keep them from the comfortability of having to carry your book bags in a certain way? So they don't have to come up with a better one, right? Absolutely. Well, Thursday, 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 God, therapeutic Thursday rolled around, and we got to our rip from the headlines. Yes, and we talked about the parent, the mom and the dad, who really was coming down hard on their good daughter who did well in her studies, who was doing well in school, who was a fine young lady. Well, she and her boyfriend, they got pregnant. Parents came down on her really hard, and so did his parents. So they ended up uh, staying with an auntie, her auntie, and her auntie got mad enough that she ended up telling because she felt the gall of her sister to come down on her daughter. She said that she felt the need to tell that when her sister was that age, she not only got pregnant, but she had an abortion. And uh, we took a survey as to what would you do. And, you know, the... The majority said, you know, that they would have that conversation, you know, with the daughter. 
and Brother Al and myself said, uh, I don't think so. Mind your business. Mind your business. Let them, you know, talk amongst themselves. But whatever she did in the past, she did in the past. Her daughter should not know about it. But here's the thing. Neither did her husband. Wow. So when she outed the sister to the daughter, she actually outed the uh, the the wife to the husband. So, you know, did you open up a can of worms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I could see if their relationship was ever the same again. Yeah, so Rip from the Headlines was quite interesting yesterday. And that's how we spent our week over here on this due time with Pastor Jeff. Well, today is Freestyle Friday. Yes, yes, yes. And we get to do whatever we want to do. Well, talk to our men is what we do. So we're looking forward to having them on with us. But in the interim, let us get our healthy breakfast. Let us tell somebody that it do time with Pastor Steph is on, and whatever you do, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Psoriatic arthritis is a type of inflammatory arthritis that causes joint pain and fatigue. Often invisible, fatigue can be a major problem for many people with PSA. To get a better understanding of what it's like to live with chronic fatigue, we asked some psoriatic arthritis patients to describe it. I'll just sit in my chair for two hours because I can't summon the will to get up and move. If I were to describe my fatigue as an animal, it would probably be a turtle. Not only do I move slowly, fatigue also makes me retreat into my shell. Fatigue is like when you get your blood taken at the doctor But instead of blood, the energy slowly gets pulled from my body. Everybody's been through a move before in their lifetime. For me, fatigue feels like moving day every day. Fatigue isn't something you can sweep under the rug. Learning how to talk about it with your doctor is a first step in starting to feel better. To get tips and support to fight back against your fatigue, visit creakyjoints.org forward slash PSA fatigue. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, 
say thank you, but by giving God our life, our strength, and our everything. Alrighty. So, you know, on Fridays, I like to talk about, like, some crazy celebrity, um, you know, mishmash. Well, I wanted to talk about the deaths here in 2023, people who we've lost, who we know, some we don't know as much, but we all knew Mrs. Queen of Rock and Roll, Tina Turner, who after a long illness at her home in Zurich, Switzerland, she passed away on May 24th at the age of 83. All right, I'm going to just talk about some people that, you know, I think you know. Well, I'm going to get you sucker, three the hard way, one down, two to go. Oh, we said goodbye to Jim Brown. If you remember, Jim Brown played with the Cleveland Browns. He was a football player, yes, an NFL legend turned actor. And he didn't do a whole lot of acting, but he passed away on May 19th at the age of 87. Now, I didn't hear anything about that, so I was kind of glad that I went through that the list. All right, we have Jacqueline Zeman or Zeman. Everybody knows Jacqueline if you watched General Hospital. Yes, she played Bobby Spencer. And she's been on General Hospital for umpteen years because she was on there when I used to watch it in high school with Luke and Laura. Well, she was 70 years old, and she died sometime this month, the earlier part of this month. She played Bobby Spencer. So we're saying goodbye to her. Tori Bowie. Now, Tori was an Olympic track and field champion, and she was quite young. She died earlier this month in May. And she was only 32 years old. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let me see who else. You might know. We all know that. And I think we may have mentioned this. Our friend Jerry Springer said goodbye. And he was 79. Now, everybody knows the Jerry Springer show. And he had launched some uh, people's court type thing, Judge Springer. So that had a little bit of, you know, stay here on the channels before he passed away. What about Len Goodman? Now, you may not 
know him by name, but you definitely know him by face if you've ever watched Dancing with the Stars. He was the head judge, the older gentleman. Yeah, well, he died in April at the age of 78. So we lost him. What about Michael Verna? Wow, I didn't know about this one. Now, Michael, you know Michael Lerner. Have you ever watched Harlem Nights? Yes. Well, Harlem Nights, I believe. Remember the 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 chick. What's her name? The one who Jasmine Guy played, and she was, you know, the the love interest of that older uh, white man. Yes. Well, he died in April of, uh, let's see, what did they say? Mm, They didn't say. But he was 81 years old. I didn't even know he passed away. No. Let's see who else we lost. Hmm. Somebody that we all know. This guy looks familiar. But, nah, I don't think. Let's see what else. I'm trying to go through people who we know. We all know that we lost our Lance Riddick from The Wire. And he was on Bosch. He played in the John Wick films. Yes, he died at the age of 60. Back in March You know who else passed away Now you need me You may have to go look him up But you definitely know him Tom Sizemore (laughs) Excuse me Very 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 popular actor He played in Steven Private Ryan Black Hawk Down Just go look up Tom Sizemore And you're going to be like What him Yeah we lost him uh, at the age of 61. Alrighty. Who else did we lose that you might know? I'm going to go as far back as I can during our time. Hmm, let's see. Bobby Caldwell. Yes. Now listen, my favorite song in the whole wide world. Is what you won't do for love. Now everybody knows that seven B's jam. Yeah, he died in March at the age of seventy-one. Let's see who else. Richard Belzer. Now we all know Richard Belzer. He played Munch in Law and Order, and he also played Munch in. What's that? Homicide, Life on the Street. I used to love that show. It does not come on anymore. I can't even find it anywhere out there in the uh, the world of TV. Yeah, but he died at the age of 78. And I got to tell you, he looks quite older than 78, so I think he was really sick. But uh, he also played in Fame, the first Fame movie. Yes, with Irene Cara. Yeah, he was the stand-up comedian. Yes, yes, yes. Raquel Welch. Wow, 
I didn't know Raquel Welch passed away. Back in February, Raquel Welch died at the age of 82 years old. Wow. Who else? Mm. Burt Bacharach. Oh, my goodness. I did not know. I did not know. Now, you may not recognize his voice. You may not uh, even know who he is, but you may have bounced to some of his music. He was a real uh, a big pop songwriter. He wrote songs such as Walk On By, Do You Know The Way To San Jose, that was Dionne Warwick, and I Say A Little Prayer. And he's written a lot of music. Oh, he's real. If you've hummed to... A lot of those pop songs, oh, you didn't hum to some of his music. He passed away in February at the age of 94. Well, guess who else passed away? Miss Shirley Feeney, yes. You may know her from Laverne and Shirley. Cindy Williams, I did not know she passed away. Well, she she passed away back in January. And she was 75 years old. Oh. Let's see. Now, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. Annie Wershing. I just got finished watching her on something. I didn't know she passed away. You got to go pull up her name because you definitely know her. She played in Thor. What else did she play? She played in 24. Oh, my goodness. I just got finished looking her up. Recently, she was on. Oh, I'm going to tell you what else she played on. I know she had to play on this. Um, What's her name? Oh, what's the, 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 the rookie? Remember when there was this woman in jail? And she was responsible for, like, some heinous crime. And she, uh, what is this? She, oh, my goodness, she was, like, the nemesis of a couple of other, a couple of the cops. Yeah. She used to, she was really, they were really worried about her coming out or getting out. Oh, my gosh. She was only 45. Yes, she played in Bosch. Oh, my goodness. No, you got to go look. I'm going to give you her name. Annie Wershing, W-E-R-S-H-I-N-G. Whoa. She had cancer. Wow. Okay. We have this R&B singer. Imani, 22, well, that was her stage name at least. She, They say she was famous for songs such as Feelings and Close. Oh, she also died at an early age of 22 of a tragic accident of some sort. Wow. Oh, okay, so we also lost our Barrett Strong. 
At the age of 81, he was a big Motown singer and Temptations songwriter. And he made a very um, popular song. I can't think of it. I can't think of the name of the song. But he passed away at the age of 81. One of the people that I do see, I don't see here, is one of the White brothers from what Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, he passed away very recently, very recently, sometime I believe here in May. Let's see who else. Mm. Well, you know who else passed away? Remember the old Adams family, the little girl Wednesday? Well, she passed away at the age of 64 back in January. And we all know our Lisa Marie Presley left us back in January also at the age of 54. And for those who watch American Idol, we have our Um, American Idol alumni, C.J. Harris. He was in uh, season 13. He died back in January at the age of 31. Wow. Oh, wow. Guess who else passed away? Now, this is for you Wire fans. Remember there was an older, like a captain, Caucasian man. His name is Al Brown. Well, was Al Brown. Yes, he was from The Wire. And he passed away at the age of 83. Yeah, go back and look. You'll know who I'm talking about. You'll know who I'm talking about. I'm going to try to catch the last few people. Hmm. Before we go. Adam Rich. Wow. He played Nicholas on Eight is Enough. Yeah, remember little Nicholas? Yeah, well, he passed away at the age of 54 on January 7th. Oh, here it is. Oh, he died a lot earlier than I thought. On January 1st, Earth, Wind, and Fire's Fred White passed away at the age of 67. I thought he was, I thought he just passed away. Wow. And let's see who else we can, well, that's pretty much it. Wow. Wow. All righty. So we say goodbye to those famous celebs. I'm really blown away by one. I I knew, wow. Wow. I just saw her, oh. I just saw that Annie Worshing, I think her name is. I just saw her on the episode of Bosch, and I was trying to place her face, and I looked her up, and that's when I saw that she played in a couple of other things, and then she had played in The Rookie. And as soon as she, as soon as I saw The Rookie, I remembered who she was. Wow. Well, thank God that we are still on this side of the fence. And he has spared us our life. All righty. Well, what are we talking about 
today. Mm. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk. Wow, let's talk about this because I thought that this was quite interesting. So we've been talking about this homeless situation, right? Well, do you realize that they now are battling with the decision as to whether New York will allow, now there's this thing called right to shelter. Now, this is crazy. Now, the the uh, the situation is, you know, we've seen homeless people kind of camp out in, you know, certain places underneath the bridge or, you know, maybe by the subway station or such and such a thing. Well, you know, recently they've been cleaning up the streets of New York, you know, trying to get all the homeless people situated and into some type of shelter. Well, they just they just notified everybody that the city council unanimously approved a homeless bill of rights sometime last month and that it would make New York the first big U.S. city to establish a an explicit right to sleep in at least some public places. Now, this is new for New York City, but some of the other um, states and cities have passed this. So in Los Angeles, they passed this about two years ago, and they said that the city outlawed tents within 500 feet of schools, daycare centers, so you can't lie or sit or sleep or store personal property that would disrupt the flow of traffic on any sidewalk streets and bike lanes. And, of course, you know, they don't want it near the kids. So that's how the school and the daycare got included. They say the changes were built as a compassionate way to get homeless people off the streets and restore access to public places for other people. So in other words, if you camp out, you're homeless, and you camp out anywhere, you can be in our way. That's that's pretty much what it says. And, you know, it's it's interesting because it sounds selfish, but it's really not selfish. It's really not. Um because what they're saying is you can't rest anywhere and everywhere. And you have to think about it. It can't be in certain places because if it's high, highly populated, will it disrupt the flow of people kind of moving around? And God forbid something happens. Now you will become a possible casualty because you're there. And now you will also become a possible obstruction to people kind of freely moving around. Now, they have this right to rest proposal out in Oregon, and they say that died quietly and because it couldn't really gain much support. 
and it would have granted a right to use public places without discrimination and time limitations that are based on housing status. So again, certain public places can't be where a person can kind of camp out with a tent and things like that if you're homeless. Now, we see this all the time, you know, and it doesn't mean that they actually don't, but it does mean that it's not legal. So they have lost the new appointed uh, Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, who says that that's one of her priorities, to, you know, get these people who are in tents and cardboard shanties into permanent housing. So, you know, unfortunately, look at when they decide to do all of this. Yeah. When the homelessness is about to quadruple. You know, it's really kind of crazy. Ah, oh, what else are we talking about today? Hmm. All right, kind of like a, a an update. So remember the the, the January sixth melee and the defendant who went in there and put his feet up on uh, Pelosi's desk. Well. He has officially been convicted on eight counts, including civil disorder, obstruction of official proceedings, theft or government property um, earlier this year, a total of eight. Now, remember, they really were making, uh, what do you call it, Um, an example out of the people that they caught. They were not playing. They were not playing because they don't want any more of these insurrections, you know. And you know what? They also knew that they probably couldn't get Trump, who they say was the instigator of the melee. So, yeah, they're going to get all his supporters who decided to do what they did. So they said that he admitted to entering the Capitol wielding a stun gun and carrying an American flag. But, you know, although he says that that wasn't his proudest moment, he wasn't really proud of what, you know, his conduct did. It wasn't threatening. So in his opinion, he has no business getting the amount of time that he did. So he's got four and a half years prison sentence. I say, hooray. Hooray. He says, I admit I was angry and I apologize for what I did, but, you know, we're not in the time, we're not here because he was on, I was on the front of the New York Times, you know, I'm here because I was on the front of the New York Times. (laughs) I'm saying that last part. Yeah, you got caught because you was on the front of the New York Times. He's trying to say that, you know, there is a different reason. Listen, you can't say you were discriminated against. You can't say you were the only one who was given time for participating in the insurrection because quite a few of them got some time. Yeah. So, you know, he is really not happy. He's saying that, 
you know, well, here's what the prosecutors are saying. The prosecutors are saying that he never, you know, was remorseful. He bragged about his entry into the speaker's office and encouraged the other rioters saying, this is war. And, yeah, so he was uh, stirring them up. He was uh, caught saying some foul stuff. And you know what? Just eat it. Just eat it, my brother. Just eat it. You were all big and bad. All big and bad. All right, I got two more quick stories that I want to talk about, and then I want to talk about this with our men. Well, unfortunately, you have this guy. Now, I, I, I really, I'm really trying to figure out what happened here. So you have this guy who they see beat his girlfriend for 30 minutes outside of a Long Island skating rink. And now his name is Oscar Morocho Morocho. And he's from Long Island, and they say that he's being charged with manslaughter. Now, I'm trying to figure out how this is manslaughter. They say he beat this woman for 30 minutes until she died. And then what he did was called and told them that she was dead. It says he then called 911 to report that she had died before fleeing the scene. Now, Morocho Morocho was arrested uh, four days later outside of a car wash in Jamaica, Queens. And they're charging him with first-degree manslaughter, which is a felony, and second-degree manslaughter, which is a felony. I'm still trying to figure out how we get to you from beating her for a half hour to manslaughter, manslaughter charges. That's murder! So clearly, you know, nobody was out there. They say that when he called, they found her in front of the place the next morning. Now, there's some gap from what I'm hearing. So what would you do, take your time? I don't know if, you know, this took place in the wee hours of the morning and you know, they went out there. I don't know. I don't have the slightest idea, but that was kind of weird as well. Why did they put it like that, that they found her outside of the skating rink the next morning? So it would seem as though they kind of held up the process of even getting there. Well, there's one more story that I want to talk about. And I am dying to hear, because, see, this is definitely a Wednesday conversation for our ladies. So I'm dying to hear what the men say. Well, they say a Jamaican owner of the Rustic Mountain Living Rental Company went on social media, and they say as a shock to social media as to how blatant her comments was, she said, that she's fed up with the alleged misbehavior of a certain group of people. And I'm going to say who these people are in a minute. So they have, it was a TikTok video, and they she calls herself the Barefoot Mountain Lady. 
and she is tired of all the ill-mannered individuals who feel that they are entitled, unappreciative, and generally disrespectful in her presence, and they're talking about American black people. Yeah, that's what she says. She says, I don't believe all black Americans are ill-mannered, but most of the ones that she's met were, uh, were entitled, unappreciative, and generally disrespectful in her presence. She said she only has met two mannerly black American guests, and she said that she will not rent anymore, anymore to us American blacks, black Americans. And, you know, they went buck wild on her. <laughs> you know, there was the, the, the responses were really not, they weren't appreciative of what she says. However, she said she stands her ground. She said, if you don't like what I said, unfollow me, block me. I don't care. So she has officially declared that at her rustic mountain living rental company, she will no longer, she says she wouldn't allow any more short-term stays which is what she pretty much does to any black American guest. So, let's talk about this thing here. We got a full house over here. All righty. Well, let's talk to our brother Ainsley. Good morning, brother Ainsley. Hello, good morning, Pastor Steph. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You too. You sound like you just rolled up out of bed. <laughs> How are you over there? I'm coming along, coming along. Not 100%, but I'm coming along. Thank God, anyway. Okay, well, you sound a little congested. You deal with allergies too? Uh, Not really, not really, but um, just one of those times, that's all. Oh, okay. Well, we hope you feel better. So yep, yep, let's, yep. let's start talking about this issue of the Homeless Bill of Rights that was approved that would establish an explicit right to sleep in at least some public places, you know, you're not allowed to pull out your tents and your cardboard boxes and things like that if you're homeless. Anywhere, just anywhere. And now they're going to designate certain places that you can. It will still be without um, certain boundaries of the schools and the daycares, but they will allow you to, 
you know, camp out in certain public places. Now, Oregon had some difficulty with allowing people to just camp out anywhere. So they, they do have this in place as well, and so does L.A. So what's your thought? Uh, it's kind of almost twofold, though, um, because, I mean, is this really how you really address the homeless issue? You know, just just moving them from basically one place. We don't want you here, but you can go over here. But are you really addressing the underlying issues? But I do can see the need for it. I can see the need for it because um, it's it's really bad. It's really bad. And you know, been um, you know, having just been check, uh, moving out to the Atlanta area, it's really bad down there. I mean, it's like. You know, like you're on a highway and you see it like it seemed like it's like a like almost a mile, like a tent city. People are just camped out, um, like just out on on a highway all over the place. And you know, and it's uh, you know you hate to see it because you know what the situation is for someone to have to be, uh, to be in there. But at the same time, it's like you know. As as a society, we still got to move on. We got to move on, and you don't want them um, blocking, you know, certain, you know, certain things, you know, blocking access. Um, not only that, you know, sometimes they can be aggressive, um, and you know, they, a lot of them may have mental issues, or a lot. There's a lot of different reasons why they're in that situation. But um, I do see a need for it. But I think we still need to. Address the underlying issues. What 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 is getting people there in the first place? It's almost like a band-aid approach to uh, we need surgery, you know. So, right. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, it makes sense because that's that's one of the uh, issues that one of these what do you call it the um, recently appointed. Um, out in California, the the new, I believe, mayor is trying to address the homeless situation, you know, as a whole, not just shift them and shuffle them, shuffle them around, but really put their mind into finding them some permanent placement. So I, I definitely understand where you're going with that. Uh, let's see what else we want to talk about today. Hmm. Nah. All right. So you have this issue of this June 6th insurrection. And this gentleman was, we all know who he was because he was all over the, the paper, all over the news, the one who put his foot up on the desk. He ended up being sentenced to four and a half years in prison. And I want to read back his, the charges. Mm. So they have a total of eight counts, including civil disorder, obstruction of an official proceeding, and theft of government property. Do you think the punishment fits the crime? Should he have gotten four and a half years? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's lucky that's all he got, in my opinion. He's lucky all he got. And everybody else. To me, nobody's really getting a hard a hard enough time. Um, 
So those people, you know, act like they're ignorant to uh, what was really going on. How 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 you climb a fence? I mean, I don't know exactly how he got in there, but a lot of them they climbed fences, climbed the the wall, broke through glass doors, um, demolishing the place, and he had the audacity, you know, like to sit in Nancy Pelosi's chair, put his feet up, like, hey, I'm chilling here, take me out, take a picture of me, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think he wrote something on, on, on her desk and stuff like this. I mean, total, total disregard to, um, for the law and stuff like that. Hey, you lucky that's all he got. Hey, lucky. And I, I'll ask something else, too. Uh, all right, this ain't going to sound very Christian-like, but I'm like, if I was one of those, the, the, the security guards, the, the, the security guards, you know, I probably would have let off. I have a weapon. I would have used it a whole lot more. They'll be like, Mr. Harris, why did you unload your gun so many times? I'm like, what do you think supposed to be here? <laughs> you know, you come up in my house, you ain't supposed to be here, and then you got to suffer the consequences for whatever happens. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm not condoning the violence, but I'm just saying, you know, come on now. And, and, uh, so you're lucky all he got is four years, you know, and um, I know they try to make an example. They need to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm lucky. you lucky that's all he got, man. You should have got like 10. All righty, all righty. He said he should have gotten 10. All right. Now, what do you think about this Jamaican owner of the Rustic Mountain Living Rental Company who says, now I'm not saying that all black Americans are ill-mannered, but most of the ones I've hosted were entitled, unappreciative, and generally disrespectful in my presence, and I will no longer rent to them. How would you respond to her? All right, it's kind of multifold, all right? So um, I can generally see, generally see, like, where there's a cultural conflict, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Um, um, it's there. However, however, you know, her attitude, you know, to me, if you give off this, like, you know, it's my place and... You know, people gonna to respond to how what, what what you present to them, and most black people ain't gonna just have you talk with them any kind of way, or you treat them any kind of way, or you just presuming they're supposed to. You know, I could easily see where a conflict could come. You know, you know, um, man, I don't know like what what what's the issues that she's saying that. Um, where the bad behavior comes in at? Is it this check-in or he said this rusty kind of place? That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. It's like some log cabin kind of thing. Um, place. Where is this at, by the way? Do you know? This is in Jamaica. Oh, in Jamaica. Okay. Yes. Oh, online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. An online. All right. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Oh yeah, I can see that happen. Yeah, I can see that happen. Uh, it doesn't excuse it, but I think her behavior uh, is probably is how she comes off. 
So you think, no, that's to make it even worse. Cause, so you got tourists, and you expect, you spend all your money on going someplace. You expect, uh, you know, good services, good care and stuff like that. And if it's not there, people are going to complain. And I can, I can see that. I can see where the conflict comes in easily there. Yeah. All righty. All righty. Well, thank you very much, uh, Brother Ainsley, for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning. And we hope you feel better. We hope you feel better. Let's say good morning to our Brother Al. Good morning, Brother Al. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Top of the morning. All right now, Brother Al. We know you always doing well. What what say you about this this uh, New York City decision on the homeless bill of rights that would allow the homeless to sleep in very specific and explicit places? They cannot camp out anywhere, but they can go into these particular areas. You know that would they deem safe for them to be able to sleep. Do you think that they have a right to do that, or should they just let the people camp out anywhere? Well, a couple of things on that issue. I think I think it's a good idea where, you know, you're able to keep people in a certain area. When you have them where they can camp out anywhere, you know, that's, you know, I think that's kind of crazy. But if you have it where, okay, you know what, this area right here, that way, at least you know where people are if you need to want to help them or feed them or call them. You know, okay, you know what? I go to this area because this is where they at. But what makes me mad about it is that, and, you know, people get mad, and I don't care. You bring all these immigrants over, you find all these nice places, and you're doing this and that. But we got people that's homeless here, and you're doing nothing for them, you know. And then you put your foot in your mouth. You're letting all these people coming over. Now, cities are starting to complain, especially New York. Oh, we don't have room. We never had room in the first place. But I kept bringing them over here and putting it that we had to find space. So, you know, but on the other note, I think that is good to have them in a certain area. That's where you at least know where everybody's at. Okay, okay. Good point. Good point, Brother Al. Good point. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have this insurrection and I don't know what I said but I stand corrected January 6th did I say June 6th I don't know what I said but January 6th we had the defendant who had his feet up on the desk maxing relaxing and showing off and he's now faced with four years in prison for his behavior do you think the punishment fits the crime I think you should have got more to be honest with you, and this is when I tell especially uh, folks of color to open your eyes, you know, and see what's going on. You know, there was a time back where where people of color did a march on the Capitol. Just did a march. No nothing, just did a march. They had the, the, the police out there. They had the armed guards with AKs, you know, and we were just doing a peaceful march. They threatened that they were going to do the Capitol. They didn't take it serious, and then nobody came out there. And these guys went in there and they rushed the capital. They, you know, they, they destroyed property and did all that. They, they, they should. They, they, he should have got more time than what he, what he got. You know, because again, if it was a man of color, 
oh, they'd have been saying, oh, yeah, we're probably going to give him the electric chair, you know. So yeah, he deserved to get more. He deserved to get more because that was the ultimate disrespect. You go in there, you break in, you tear these people places, and then you got your foot on top of the desk like, yo, this is my house. And then you got to go on the post it. He seemed like you was the poster child. Absolutely. Absolutely, Brother Al. Well, thank you for the correction on whatever I said. And uh, (laughs) you're right. You know, he took the picture bragging. So eat the consequences. You had a good time. You had a good time. Now, for your good time, you're going to spend four and a half years. I, I agree with you, Brother Al. All right, Brother Al. This Jamaican woman, this owner, well, I'm assuming it's a woman because they say, oh, this is a she. That's why I said yes. The Rustic Mountain Living Rental Company, and she says she's not renting to any more all black Americans because they are disrespectful pretty much. Now, what do you feel about this? What do you think? Man, you know that that that's a rough one. I mean, it's her it's her company or property, and she do have the right. But you know, just to blatantly come out and say it was kind of like like rough. <laughs> you know, I mean, just just like with me, everybody know that I do DJ. I don't DJ young parties no more because they don't know how to act. Some people say, well, you're judging all the youngness, but you know what? I don't want to be in that environment. So I kind of get where she's coming from. You know, somebody might have put a bad taste in your mouth, and you're like, you know what? I can't deal with this. This is how they act. But for you to blatantly just come out and say it, it's just like, wow. I'd have just kept it quiet and just when someone of color called, I'd have been like, oh, I'm so sorry. We booked on that day. <laughs> you know? Right, well, right, you right. Right, well, how did you say it? It's just like, wow. So now you're bringing a lot of attention to yourself. You could lose even more business. Because, you know, there are some. Um, people that's not of color that do stand with us on things that we go through. So now you put your business in jeopardy as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Ooh, thank you so much, Brother Al, for joining us. And we uh, will be back to continue our conversation. We'll be back. Uh, let's say good morning to Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Top of the morning, top of the morning. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm well. How are you? Oh, man, I heard you talking about all these people that died. I died on Thursday, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm back just for Friday. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, thank God. Thank God. Thank God for that. All right, Pastor Kale, what do you think about this uh, council city council decision to approve the homeless bill of rights that will designate where the homeless can sleep and where they can't. Well, I'm, I'm pretty much on the side, you know, with, with brother Al, you know, we have all these migrants and immigrants coming in and we're finding places for them to stay. And they're actually nice luxury places. But now you deemed to us which bench we can sleep on? That definitely ridiculous. Absolutely. They get to, to go automatically. They come here and they get shelter. 
These people probably have been homeless for years, including our veterans, as we always talk about. And you're trying to figure out what, where they can camp out, where right. they can put this cardboard box. I was like, yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is so crazy. They need to switch places, but you can't. I guess you can't invite them to come stay in there. And it's almost like your house. You can't invite them to come stay in there and put them on the floor. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think this needs, I think that needed to be expedited. I think that if you can find a place for 71,000 people that include, where did they say, somebody uh, text me. I would talk to somebody, I think it was Shanti's, or who was it, who, who I spoke to with, within the last couple of days, and they said that, oh, oh, my goodness, no, it was the other night. Pastor KL, they said that, oh, my goodness, they're getting ready to put them, oh, my gosh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. They're getting ready to put the migrants in another place. And I was like, what? I got to find out. I got to find out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text the person. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that because I, I got I to gotta bring that up. I got to bring that up. All right. We're talking about this insurrection, uh, a guilty individual. Now he's getting four and a half years for putting his feet up on the desk, busting up in the place with a stun gun and a flag and all this kind of nonsense. Does the punishment fit the crime? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I think, you know, I'm with, with my fellas that he should have got more time than that. You know, and, you know, as Brother Al started saying, you know, this is why we as colored, you know, as, as African-Americans, you know, we have to look at this kind of stuff. This, this is becoming more prevalent every day. You know, had, had we decided, because see, remember, all of this, I, I wasn't just in the area and decided to bust in. This was planned. This was all pre-planned. Oh, yeah. This, this, yeah. this was captured. This, you know, there was a storyline to this, and I did what I did. You know, had we premeditated any of this kind of stuff, you know, conjured up any of this planning in our mind, we would have got more than four years. We would have been in, sol- in solitary confinement because Absolutely. how dare, how dare a black man be this brilliant to come and think about this kind of thing and, 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 and go out and do it. You know what I mean? Because it's, it, listen, whether you like what they did or not, it takes some type of, of preparation and brilliance to think about how to do this. How do you overtake this whole building? You know, whether you thought it was stupid that they did it, it, it had to be some type of brilliant planning to be able to do something like this. So just think that if we have done it, Listen, I, I remember when, when Malcolm X had all the people outside and all he did was raise his hand and everybody moved. That's brilliant. So 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 had we did something like that, man, we'd have got the chair. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you all that had this been, had it been somebody on outside of the fence, oh, it would have, because they would, they, listen, they came up with eight counts for him. It would have been ninety-eight for us. They right. would, your brand of sneakers you were wearing, how long your pants were. Did you call anybody while you were there? Because that was extra premeditation. Oh yeah, 
it, it would have really gone down in a much different way had we been uh, the ones sitting there. So I agree, you know, just for the fact that you plotted this, yeah, you, uh, he said this is war. He was saying, while well, they, they have him saying, this is war during the time of the melee. So guess what? This is war? Well, you got war. We ain't going to deny you war. Go ahead and you'll be able to have a good time. Period. All right, Pastor KL. We're talking about this Jamaican owner of the Rustic Mountain Living Rental Company who says that she ain't renting no more black Americans because they don't know how to act. They, let, let's just boil it down. Let's just wrap it up just like that. You know, I, I, I think that is, um, I think that's a bad thing, uh, that, that, that she will fall us in, you, you know, one category. You know, I, I do I do remember going to, to Africa quite a few times, and I, I thank God that I went there as clergy, because as a regular person, the Africans don't consider us black. So they don't like us, if if you will. So, so you know, sometimes you're, you're lumped in just because of of, your, of where you come from. You know, Jamaicans are, are kind of you know. I know my, my my brother is on the line, but they they kind of bougie and uppity. You know, and and they they don't our kind of black because I guess we're down to earth and we're a little different than they are. So you know, they they call us unruly. So yeah, I mean, I do I do understand. I do understand. Well, I have to say that I have seen this hoity-toity attitude, you know, you call it bougie, and I I have seen where they have snubbed their nose at black Americans, and Mm -hmm. I do agree that there are times when we just, you just make it bad for everybody. However... You know, I haven't been on the scene when she's rented her place, you know, to black Americans. But I would really like to know, I really wish there had been a little more descriptive, a description of in comparison to. I would have liked to have heard that. Because you just blatantly saying this, you make it seem like nobody else behaves like this now. You talk about people who are ill-mannered and disrespectful. I didn't see some people on the other side of the fence uh, behave the same exact way, if not worse. So that's why I said I would really like to have heard, you know, if something needed to be fixed, what their attitude was. Or, you know, it just seems as though they came and they rented and, you know, they just were a problem. And I know that there's more to the story than that. So I would have really liked to have heard what she was comparing their behavior to. And that to me would have been a little different. But to just blanketly say this, ah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, a lot of a lot of them look down on us because they say we don't want to work. We, you know, we don't <laughs> we don't want to take certain jobs. And it's true. It's true. That's why they get the job. We don't want to sweep. We don't want to mop. We don't want to clean. 
excuse me, and they do. They don't mind. They'll do the job, and they'll do it proudly. But it's too good. It's it's not good enough for us. So, you know, I know sometimes, you know, they can cut up. I ain't saying we. They could cut up, but I would like to have heard a little more to that. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for uh, indulging me on my news stories. I came across an article. We were supposed to do this a few weeks ago where it talks about how we as Christians need to be able to stand out at work. And I think it's important because if we're supposed to be evangelizing and bringing people to God, you know, we need to definitely work on our behavior and and things like that. So how do we stand out as Christians at work? And one of the ways they say is to be generous. Brother Ainsley, we'll start with you. Would you say that's a, a way of showing and standing out as a Christian to be generous? Um, I don't know, generous like how? You mean give always give out money? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think they're saying they're not talking about that. They're talking about uh, if you're a manager, you can be generous with your advice and your investment into your people and, you know, be generous with your time and your money, but not necessarily only money. Just be generous, period. Just seem to be a generous individual. Would you agree that that would be a way you could stand out at work? Yeah, I could see that. I could, and, and, that and those terms, yeah. Um, my thing is just being open to the discussion, you know, maybe beyond just the work, the, the work issues and stuff like that. Uh, most, uh, most definitely, most definitely, uh, giving advice and you know you stand on your principles or uh, or uh, uh, godly principles and stuff like that. I think where we differ, how we respond to different things as opposed to somebody else. You know, when something goes down. Uh, we ain't going to necessarily just curse out the supervisor or the manager and stuff like that. The way we respond is different. It's our actions. Our actions speak louder than words. So, um, in generous in, in that in those regards, most definitely. You can see it. Okay, okay, okay. Brother Al, Brother Al, you know, oh, they say if we want to stand oh, out as Christians in the workplace, we need to be generous. Would you agree? I would say yes. Um, I'm glad you did clear it up because I was thinking the same thing, not just financially, you know, with your time, you know, with you just making time to speak with people or or, or even just listen, you know, somebody might be going through something and they just need you to just listen. And instead of you brush them off, you say, okay, you know what, I got a minute, what's, what's going on with you, you know, and, and, and maybe and helping people out, you know, with your, with your time. So I, I would say yes, I think that's that's a good thing, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Pastor KL, would you agree that being generous is a way to stand stand out as a Christian while you're at work? Absolutely, absolutely. I'll kind of use another kind of word for generous and invested, investment. You know, we, we have to invest in our people. You know, and a lot of times, you know, especially in my position, there's not too many people of color in my position. 
So what I try to do, I try to invest in my people so that they can get to the next level. I've promoted quite a few people, you know, to the next level, but you have to invest in them so, so that you can teach them what you know. A lot of us, unfortunately, won't teach downward because we don't want them to take our place. You know, and, and, and we feel threatened by, by the youngsters or by the people who are coming up. But eventually someone will have to take your place. You cannot do this forever. And remember, as they move up, you should move up as well. So, so it's like a ladder. Everybody's helping each other. You know, each one teach one. So, yeah, if you're generously investing, not only are you investing in them, but you're investing in you as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and I believe that if you invest in them on the simple things, it makes room for God. It makes room for that investment into them, you know, when you're speaking about God. There's a way to introduce God, or, or, you know, sometimes people will ask, you know, you go to church, you know, just because of your generosity, whether it's time or you know, investment of of teaching someone something, you definitely open up a door to have that conversation about God. Definitely. All right, one of the other ways they say to stand out as a Christian, and Brother Ainsley kind of tapped on this one, says be calm, you know, how are you going to act, you know, in difficult moments, you know, how are you going to behave, you know, when there's failure, you make mistakes, are you going to sound off and cuss people out? You know, so what do you say about that one, uh, Brother Al? Just be calm and well, you know, well-behaved and poised. Not perfect necessarily or goody-two-shoe, but really show that, that peace that, you know, comes to us as children of God. Oh, man, you know, that, that's, that's um, very, very important. You know, um, and people will see it because I remember, you know, um, once I started uh, moving closer to God and learning things and walking in my walk, I remember some things happened. And I have had people say, wow, boy, you showed different because the old world would have been such and such, you know, so and people will recognize that, you know. So I think it's important that we have to uh, uh, self-control, which is very hard when you're a Christian because we test it all the time by people about things that go on when we outside, all type of craziness. So, you know, we definitely have to display that 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 self control and that calmness. You know, and it's it's very important. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Pastor KL, being calm and you know peaceful during you know difficult times or when there's uproar, when you even fail, you know, people have a way of of acting out when they fail. Is that it, a, a, a way you can show that Christ is in your life at work? Definitely, definitely. One of the things that comes to my mind is that, you know, if you go to the movies, you go to the movies and you watch the movie, guess what? The actor or the actress did not know you went to the movies. You know, however, you watch the show. And this is how people are. You know, people are watching you, and you don't even know that they're watching you. But you are the show. So they're looking for the response. They, they, they know how the boss just turned you out or how somebody just stole something from your store or how somebody just died in your life. They, they know the circumstance, and now they're looking for the response. 
They're looking up of how you're going to handle it. And how you handle it can help the people uh, that's watching you. Because in their mind, in their flesh, in their emotions, oh, man, I wouldn't have did that. I don't know how he took that. I don't know. But, but the God in you, you know, you said peace in the beginning, but the peace that, that, that surpasses all understanding, that they don't even understand how you have so much peace right now because of what you went through. So, so yeah, it, it, it's really, really serious that you understand, you know, that people are watching you, and you have to, you have to work from within from, from the God that's within you to deal with everything that's on the outside. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Brother Ainsley, you know, exemplifying that peace and understanding and, you know, calm when all hell is breaking loose at the job or when other people would have, you know, cussed you out like you said, you know, is that important? How important is that when you are at work to exemplify Christ in those during those times? Most definitely is. Most definitely is. Uh, uh, I would say even more so in my latter years, at my nine to five. Uh, most definitely, it was like it had not been for God in my life. It would totally been a different situation. I know it was a situation where I guess what people were expecting. Um, I personally would have would have just went off with somebody, um, but just looking for like as Pastor KL said, and like you said, people looking for their response. So you know, after a while, if you've been to place for long, you say, "Oh, I, I know the uh, they, oh he goes to church, oh he claims he's a a believer and such and such a thing." And it, I guess they're looking for some people be looking for go, uh huh, okay, how can you be say you believe or a Christian, but look at look at your actions all the time. Oh, you just, Wow, you know, you did this. Look at look at your accent, this at another. Oh, you a hypocrite. This is why I don't go to church. And then you know, you just go on and on. So yeah, it's, you have to uh, act accordingly, no matter what. You know, and it's oh, difficult okay. sometimes. It can be very difficult sometimes. There's been a couple of times I was like, to say, Lord, okay, why am I here? <laughs> why am I really here? How you want me to deal with this? And so most definitely. And, you know, with that being peaceful, sometimes, and not necessarily being peaceful, but just that you act accordingly. Because, you know, dealing with different personalities, uh, you know, things going to get heated and stuff like that. And that's not to say, though, you can't still, you, you can still, you can still be Christian, but if you got to tell somebody, is there's a way to do that, you know, in a proper manner. And you know, so again, it's it's how we it, we still the God, we gotta act like God is in our life all the time. If God is really there all the time, then it becomes more natural, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, right, yeah. right, right. I like that. I like that. I see a couple here that I definitely want to um, discuss. And one of the things it says, "Be faithful." Now, now here's the thing. They're talking about being a team player. They're talking about being on time. They're talking about showing up to work. They, they're talking about your ethics on the job. And, boy, is that a challenge for people at work. 
being ethical, but they're saying be faithful. How important is that, Pastor Kale, as a Christian person, to show your faithfulness? Are you talking to the mute button, Pastor Kale? Pastor KL, are you there? Okay, we'll come back to Pastor KL. Uh, since you finished talking, Brother Ains, let's get Brother Al on. Brother Al, how important is it that we're faithful at work to show the ethical side of of, of ourselves? That's very important. You know, that's like I said, people are always watching you. Especially when you constantly telling people, oh, you should be doing it this way, God not happy if you're, you know, especially when you run off at the mouth, I should say, <laughs> and then you do the opposite. You know, um, I'm on that spotlight all the time. I'm always talking to my kids, my mentoring group, and I'm telling them things and I'm showing them stuff. So when something happens, all eyes on me like Tupac. <laughs> you know, all eyes, okay, Mr. B said that, let's see how he handled it, you know. So it, it, it is very, it, it's very important. Um, once we get into this Christian walk, we can't go back on how we used to be, or you know how, how how we used to be when we was in the hands of the enemy. So it's very important to show people, and when people see that, it's like wow. Like you know, I've, I've had people come up to me and say, "Man, man, you you became this Christian man, and you really changed." Like I'm like, well, when you got God in your life, He helps you get. It. I say, you know, and I always. I was just fresh on, hey, I'm human, I make my little mistakes. I said, but for the most part, I listen to that voice and move forward. So it's, it's very important that we show. We show and prove. All righty, all righty. Uh, Pastor Kale, are you there? Okay, we got some disruption. Yes, uh, I'm brother, here. Oh, 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 okay. We're talking about being faithful. You know, being ethical, you're showing the work up to work on time. You know, you know, you're showing up at all. You know, you're you're being, you know, uh, loyal to the job. You know, you're not doing things behind their backs. You're not, you know, uh, misbehaving when nobody's watching. You know, stuff like that. How important is that at our workplace? It's very, very, very important. You know. Um being being faithful, it, it it's hard for a lot of folks. You know, it just just as you know, being friends is hard for a lot of folks. You know, friend friends, you know, it's almost like you know, I'll I'll be your friend when it benefits me. When it longer when it no longer benefits me, I'm not your friend. And you know, faithfulness will tie into your integrity, because if you're late all the time, that that ties into who you are. You know, you don't care about your job. You don't care about who you might be relieving because sometimes when we're when we're late, somebody's ready to go home to pick up their children, and they can't go because of you. You know, so all this stuff ties, you know, faithfulness definitely ties into integrity. You know, we can't be really friendly when our integrity is wrong because we're thinking about the fast hustle. We're thinking about how we can get over. We're thinking about whether well, the boss is not here, so I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to do my job in, in its completeness, in its entirety. So therefore the faithfulness is gone because if I was faithful, no matter who's watching me, I'm going to do what I need to do. 
You know, so, again, the faithfulness and the integrity ties in. You can't have one without the other. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Brother Ainsley, you know, we're talking about your faithfulness, how you treat the job, how you appreciate the job. You know, the Bible tells us to work as though we're always working for the Lord. And this is a prime uh, place to plant that verse because although they might not be seeing you, you know, God's eyes are always watching you. So how important is being faithful on the job? Uh, it's very important. It's very important. And and you become even like the ethics of it all. But oh, yeah, it is very important. Um, even where I was at for many years, it's more so brought on like we was in a team, a unit or a team effort. And team means that we all work together. We have a goal we're trying to do. On, and on this team, some people may have certain responsibilities and, and stuff like that, but we're all working together for a common goal, a common object, objective to see something happen, to go forth and stuff like that. And sometimes part of a team is some some imagine to do a little bit more than um, than than you normally would or expected and stuff like that, but. Because it, it, when people, somebody's going to slack off, um, it affects everything. It affects the whole group. So it's almost also as a team, you're being accountable to one another. And, you know, and so I think as a team, as, as as a godly person, if you agree to do this, you know, you need to you need to stand on your word and say, okay, my part is this A, B, C, D, and E. I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E. And, and you can hold me accountable. You hold me accountable. And because, you know, it don't take but so much of a, a dissent or or disruption and, you know, you have an ineffective team. And and so um, standing on our, our principles, um, our ethical things, and, you know, and certain things might, it might, it, some things might not be wrong, but ethically it is. And, you know, and, and what we do as Christians makes a difference, and that's how we stand out as well. You know, so overall, yes, most definitely, it is highly important to be faithful. All right. All right. All right, gentlemen. Oh, here's the other one that I saw. I was like, oh, no, we got to talk about that. Being relational. Now, I, I should should I ask my question? Okay, I'll come back to that one because uh, I did write it down. How how important is it for us to be relational on the job? In other words, for those who, who want a little more clarity, nobody likes us. We're not friendly. We don't smile. We don't greet people. We don't interact with people if we ultimately don't have to. But we're telling people, but people think we're Christian. We've told people we go to church. A couple of people that you do like know that, you know, your life is supposedly hidden in the Lord, but the rest of the, jo- the job, call and tell. What kind of of uh, signal do you send? Is that a good way to be in your workplace, Pastor KL? Yeah, no, that that's... That's definitely not a good place. And then, you know, you have to understand that that sometimes your simple smile, your simple hello can turn somebody from suicide watch. 
and I, I know that sounds extreme, but but you don't know how heavy they came to work. You don't know what it took for them to come to work. You don't know the, the drive they had to muster up for them just to come to work. You know, some people come don't want to work because they got stuff going on, and they come because they have to, because it, in order for their child to eat in spite of what I'm going through, I have to work. And sometimes your simple hello, sometimes your simple acknowledgement of them and who they are or, you know, you look mighty nice today or, you know, you did a great job today. You know, that right there gets them over the hump, gets them to the next level. You know, when, when, when you come in as this why is me, why am I going through this, why, Lord, why, why, why you, you say that I'm your child but yet I'm going through this, and it seems like I'm in this black cloud by myself. But when you, the child of God, can able to discern what they're going through and what, what, what you see in them and speak life into a dead situation, it helps them. All right. All right. Uh, brother, wait, brother Al, what are we talking about here? You know, are you relational at work? You know, do people hate you because of the way you frown and or you don't get along or you're growling at people all day so they don't like you or they really don't want to have to come and deal with you at all? How important is it for us to show the very opposite? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's very, very important. Number one, if you're a Christian, you should be showing that because God is love. You know, God is just full of love. So why we are not showing love? And and it's and, and you know it's sad, but you got some people who 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 um act that way. I know a person who's a minister, and you, every time you see her, she got this scar on her face. She make you where you don't even want to approach her, and that's horrible. So people are looking at it like, wow, okay, you that what I look forward to being a Christian, being miserable and not happy. So you sending a bad signal as well. And like Pastor Kale said, you never know who day you may make. I, I remember being at work when the teachers came in, and she's always smiling. She wasn't smiling. I said, I said, good morning, hello, how are you doing today? And she just stopped and took a deep breath and was like, wow, thank you so much for asking me that. That made my day. I was going through so much, and it seemed like nobody cared about me or what I'm going through. And for you to ask me how I was doing, thank you for that. And, and she was good the rest of the day. So you never know who you may help or influence, or, t- or take a little load off their shoulder by, sh- by showing love like how God show us love. So that's very important for us to do. All right. Uh, Brother Ainsley, you know, one day in, in service, one of the young ladies asked the question, when I leave out my building, do I have to say good morning? Do I have to smile? And... You know, that's the way she used to come into church. She used to come into church, face, you know, just dry, and, you know, she had no desire to really talk to anybody. It took her the whole service to work, to to warm up so she could talk to somebody during lunchtime and, you know, things like that. You know, so needless to say, that's the way she was going to work. How does that dampen? Christ in the workplace. It does. It does. And that reminds me, um, 
Uh, you know, there was a, a, a paralegal legal assistant where I was at part of my team. Um, the person, you know, she was known, she was Christian because she had a Bible out on the desk. You know, she had it constantly out no matter what. She had a Bible out and whatnot. But this person didn't do nothing other than, nothing, when I say nothing else but what was actually the minimum that was required to do, that's all this person did and whatnot. So, of course, what's being associated with her is, okay, we have this Christian or believer or whatever she believes in. She don't want to do no more. She don't want to do the, but the minimum on whatnot, even though the situation may require, you know, a little bit more, you know, this, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's that attitude. And it makes a, a big, a huge difference and whatnot. And like my brother KL and uh, my brother Al said, you know, you know, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And I mean, and, Across the board, and, and, and for even for those who who, who are of a, of a different faith, different culture, race, everything like that, your 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 how you present yourself, people recognize it and 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 they draw from it. So I mean, and we always have this the the matter what the differences are in our culture and stuff like that. There is we all do connect in some form or fashion in some way. But it starts with, you know, if you just, like, com- common courtesy of just saying good morning. There's so many times I'm like, my good. I heard people, you know, they come in, like, come in grumpy. And, you know, it's like a hard thing to say good morning. Is that so hard to say? Or even a thank you or whatnot. Cause my, actually, my, my, my office was close to a, a, one of the main entrance doors and whatnot. So I would occasionally get up and open the door for somebody. I didn't have to. But oftentimes, you know, people would just wouldn't even say a, 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 just a simple thank you. I'm like, is that so hard to say a thank you and stuff like that? So, um, but yet, how we conduct ourselves is so very important. It is so so very very important. Absolutely, absolutely. I have a question here from our last point and. You know, we're talking about the faithfulness on the job. And I know we all struggle. You know, everybody has a struggle in their life. You know, however, how is it that we are supposed Christians for umpteen years and we're always late? I, I, somebody need to help me understand this one. You can't get nowhere on time. How... And there's no there's no regard for anyone's convenience or people waiting on you to start, people waiting on you to uh, to to bring this. There's no urgency. I don't care what it is, why it is, when it is. You cannot. No one can rely on you, but yet you're. You're claiming Christ, and we ain't talking about some baby Christian. We talking about somebody who's supposed to be seasoned. And you know what? I'm gonna start with you, brother Al. Yeah, that's that's just that's just crazy. <laughs> you know, um, you know, like you said again, not taking people's time into consideration. You just figure, ah, oh, I get there when I get there. You know, and 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 that's not cool. You know, be courteous. You know, you're supposed to be there. 
at a time when you're supposed to meet somebody at a certain time. You know, even if um, when I explain to people, just like if I say, just like I said, me and Pastor Steph doing some business. And I said, well, Pastor Steph, I'm going to call you at 3. I called the guy, and he's going to get back to me, and I'll call you at 3. Okay, the guy didn't get back to me. I still should call you at 3. You know, I've seen when people call back 4, 5. Bro, what happened? Oh, the guy didn't get back to me yet. Okay, you still could have called me at 3 like you said and said, listen, I'm still waiting on the person to call me. So people don't take those things into consideration. Ah, goodness gracious. Uh, Brother Ainsley, you know, I've had people literally say, uh-huh, I'm just always late. And I'm just looking at you. I'm like, well, I need, you need to help me understand that. You need to help me understand this here. Why you bragging about you being so late. Even if you're trying to, you know, kind of throw me off a little bit or, you know, nah, 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 nah. What is with that? It's a lack of integrity. It's a lack of integrity, really. Because I, I, admittedly, I got to admit, back in the day, really back in the day, I, would, I used to be bad with time, admittedly so. Um, and, you know, but you treat people like how you want to be treated. And and also, in business, time is money. And and you're going to lose out just being late. And just to, that's just a point factor. You're going to lose out just being late or whatnot. You're going to lose out on money, opportunities. It's just going to cost you, and and at some point, if you get seasoned, at some point you got to realize I need to change my behavior. This is costing me, and when I and uh, you know, and it's another thing. Um, I see it happen often, and I'm coming. You know, when if you say a church service is going to start at, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing out to say twelve o'clock. It needs to start at twelve o'clock. Why is the service starting at one forty-five or twelve forty-five? Be on time, so people accordingly and whatnot. Just be on time. And you know, like I said I, I, I met myself. I was bad with that, but you're gonna lose out. You're gonna, you're gonna lose out. I never forget one time. Um, you know, this was years ago, and we were talking. Um, my daughter she had an opportunity to go to one of these specialized schools and stuff like that in the city, and they were taking advantage of it, but. Long story short is, I got there half hour late. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, find a parking and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to half hour late. When we get there, and, you know, it was like, um, the attitude was like, why are you here? You know you late, so why are you even bother? You know, wow. just, you know, here late. You give me the opportunity, but you come in here late. You say, no, basically, nah. In a nice, in their PR way of saying things, it's like, uh, sorry, no, we, we already see how this is going already. No, 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 no. So, yeah, it's a lack of integrity. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, uh, Pastor KL. You know, they'll even come to you say, yeah, I'm always so late. I just can't get nowhere on time. And So if you're aware of this, and this has been going on since you were a child, how are you 59 and you still late for everything? You know what? Everybody, everybody knows that I like to give analogies. Um, from from working retail, I, I've learned that the person who lives closest to the store is the person that's always late. The person who lives the furthest from the store is always there early and on time. And I've noticed that the people who you would think are closest to God 
is always late, always has an issue. The pastor, the the deacons, the ministers, these folks are always late. Always late. But the people but, but, who desire something from God is going to be right on time. The people who are who are in their desperate stages, the people with the issue of blood is going to find a way to get there on time because there's something that they need from God. When you think that you have arrived, when you think that you know every scripture that's in the Bible, you don't seem to have to be there on time. So when you're the speaker of the hour as a visitor, you can get there late because the show can't start until I get there. However, there are people who are at the door early. There are people who are at the door on time. There are people who are making preparation to get there because they need to hear what what you have to say to them because they're believing that God is speaking through you. But because you have arrived in this situation, because you have been a pastor for so long, because now you are the bishop, everyone must wait on you. God said not so. I like the analogy. I like the analogy. Made a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I want to give you gentlemen an opportunity to close today. Speak directly to, you know, our audience and express to them how important it is to exemplify Christ in the workplace. I'll start with you, Brother Ainsley. Oh, it's very important to zipify uh, Christ in your workplace, and no, no matter where you go, actually, everywhere, what you do, it's it's a it's it's a part of you, and 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 the more you live, the more you get deeper in His Word. Uh, it just exudes itself, and it's more important. And then so, and and you don't have to specifically say scream, "I'm a believer." And so today, people will recognize it, and people will come to you. So many times, you know, um, like when I was even at my job and whatnot, um, it was coming for half the time when people come to my desk, uh, you know, people people needed help, despite what they may look like, and people think that they got it together. After being a while, people would start to share me certain things, and, you know, and you become the common witness. Because people realize, okay, well, I see you went through this. I see you went through that. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, uh, how, about church and, and your church life and stuff like that? We become a witness, a living witness, because, and I, in our actuality, we become the Bible. Some people may, they may read the Bible, but we become the church people ever ever come, come to see it or to come in contact with. And so it is very, very, and very important that we, we present ourselves constantly upright and with integrity and centered on his word. And, with you know, it's, it's, very, it's, it's highly important. It's very important. But we become witnesses. It's easy to become witnesses, and people will come to you. You know, people are not going to come to you. Uh, you present yourself all kind of way. I mean, like coming in late, uh, bad work ethic, and, and, and like in, in such a manner and stuff like that. So it is very, it is very important. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Brother Al, Brother Al, what word would you like to give our listeners in regards to exemplifying Christ at the workplace? Oh, yeah. Just one of the main things I would say is just 
go with the flow. Let God guide you. Sometimes we go in and we try so hard where, you know, I want people to see that I'm different. I want people to see that I have Christ in me. You don't have to say a word. If you're letting God guide you, it, it, it will show, you know. And the workplace, I call the workplace the testing ground because, you know, you have some people at work that's not saved. So you're going to be tested. I'm here at this school. I'm tested every single day, all day long. And I pray. You know, we had a meeting and, and um, uh, with, with my group, and they went around the table. They was asking everybody, okay, when this happened, how did you deal with this? And, and everybody saying their little stuff. And when they got to me, I said, I found a quiet place, and I pray. And everybody just got quiet. And they was like, oh, okay, okay, that, uh, okay, that sounds good. You know, so... So when you're displaying, you know, people will see. You know, I've, I've had people come up to me and, was, and start just talking. And, and, and I was like, okay, um, you know, and they looked at me and was like, man, I don't never tell nobody my business. I don't know why I'm telling you. And when, you, when, you're, when you're showing Christ-like, God will send these people to you because God, okay, I'm going to speak to you, to, to this person. So it, it's very important to see people when they, you know, to – to, to uh, act in a certain way, but people will feel even comfortable coming up to you. You're going to work like, like we just spoke about. You're going to work and you're upset and you're not speaking to nobody. Nobody's going to come up and, and speak to you. And that's not Christ-like because that's not something that Jesus would do. So, so we have to just, just, let, it, just let it go. Let, let, let God just use you. Go to work and just let God use you. Be on time. <laughs> Be on time to work and just let God use you. And you don't have to worry about it. Telling nobody nothing, it will show. I've had so many people came up to me and was like, man, you got a beautiful spirit. Um, one lady told me, man, you got Jesus in your life, don't you? And it made me feel good. It made me feel good because I'm like, wow, I'm following God's instructions. And people, I ain't had to say nothing. People see it. And that motivated me to keep doing what I'm doing. Keep doing what I'm doing. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Ainsley. Thank you, Brother Al. Pastor KL. You know, how do you tell the, you know, the listening audience, tell them how you exemplify Christ at work on a whole? Okay, well, I, I will start off by saying, and I'll make this short and sweet, I will start off by saying, stop asking God to, to enlarge your territories if you really don't mean it. Because just, enlarging your territories does, does not mean sending you to Aruba, sending you to, to Jamaica, sending you to places that you think you might enjoy. You're enlarging your territories is right there at work. You know, the, you, you, there is a people for you. I say that all the time. And the people for you can be your folks at work. There are folks that's coming into your job with stage one, stage two. And it doesn't have to be the cancer of the disease, but whatever cancer they're going through, whether it's homelessness, whether, you know, someone just took their children, they're, they're going through all this stuff and you're ignoring it. You're waiting until they get to stage four, just about to die, just about to commit suicide, to now want to step in and show that the God that's on the inside. You should have been stepping up when they was in stage one because it could have prevented the stage two and definitely uh, uh, um, killed the stage four. So when you ask God to enlarge your territories, your territories is your job. Your territories is the park. Your territories is the grocery store. These are your territories. We have to now be able to listen to God and use the, the, the discernment spirit that God has filled us with and begin to minister to these dying and crying and hurt people. 
We we are the doctors. We are the physicians. We are the the the, the healers. You know, we we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. God has given us all this power, but you want your territories enlarged, but you won't use the powers that He's given you. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for doing a fine job today helping our listeners understand why it's so important to be a Christian at your workplace. And we pray you have a blessed weekend. You as well. You as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good weekend. Thank you. All righty. Let's get that benediction. Mm. Finally, my brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. Hmm. As as the gentleman was speaking, I thought about something from the opposite end. And it kind of touched on what Pastor K.L. said. And one of the things that crossed my mind was one day a girl, a young lady that I was working with, we used to sit in the same area, and she said to me, she said, Stephanie, she said, I wanted to talk to you about something. And she opened up to me about her boyfriend who was touching her daughter. And I was like, oh. And I didn't think, you know, she would ever confide in me like that. And she really began to lay out some stuff. So I said something to her about prayer. And I said, you know, Definitely, that's something that we want to pray about. And so we prayed, and she said she felt better, although she didn't quite understand. And so I said to her, I said, well, you know, I take this time to read every day. Would you like to, you know, read with me, blah, blah, blah? And she said yes, and she said, you know, she said, in my house growing up, she had, she had one brother who must be a year or two old, and she said, my mother never talked about God in my house. And she was a Hispanic, you know, in Latin, however you call him now. And I was really surprised because one of the things that, you know, Spanish, Spanish people generally are very religious. And I was like, wow. And she, I said, no. She said, and her grandmother had never spoken to her mother or aunts or uncles or anything about God either. So this seemed to have been a trend. And she said, but I always hear when you, your girls call and, like, you're getting on them. <laughs> she said, I always hear you mention God to them. She said, and I'd like to be able to do that. And I had taken some time with, with her daughter and Tamasia, and we had taken them out a, a couple of times, and she said, I see the way you know you handle your daughter, blah, blah, blah. Here's, here's why I'm saying that. Because you never know who God wants you to minister to. You will never know 
when God will tap you and say, I need you to minister to that individual. Now, if this person is seen, you'll never show up on time, that you're unethical in the way you do your work, that you hardly show up for work, and they have to question who you are, period. Forget about whether there's God or Jesus or whatever. Just question who you are, period. When, you know, I always tell you, you know, I did the payroll, and if I always seem to dismiss people when they have concerns and things like that, and, you know, she would always say, well, thank God for you, because Jeff and them wouldn't pay us properly. And, you know, they, that was true. And, you know, you have to be prepared to always be used. Never automatically assume that God will not choose to use you. You have always got to make sure your integrity is intact. Your behavior is intact. Your ethics are intact because you never know when God will choose to use you. And when we don't do what God needs us to do, then God cannot effectively use you. You cannot be used the same if everybody's looking at you twisted. And you got to all you always have to have that in the forefront of your mind. It's not about you. God has given you a placement here as his anointed and appointed one to do the job that he has chosen for you. And if you think that you are only living for you, you are sadly mistaken. God is always in need of his people here on earth. He's not coming down here. He's not talking to anybody. He's not coming down here and he's going to be somebody's secret Santa and shop and, and things like that. No. He works through us. And we've got to be ready. Always be ready to let God use us because we don't know who's going to be in distress. We don't know who's going to go through a rough time. We're not going to know who needs a word of prayer. And if all we, they heard us cussing and arguing and stuff like that, how can God effectively use us? You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, all the men who come through big time for us and sends us into a thought-provoking weekend. Thank you for hanging out with us all week. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not uh, misuse this time and not allow God to strengthen your relationship with him and make sure you do your part because later is not promised to any of us.
until Sunday, God spares, where we'll be in the Word Prayer Project room. Come on in and see what God has us spread about. God spare our life. I look forward to seeing you. Until then, I love you.